Thank you for being part of my life, part of my journey. Um, I, I'm not here without Michael Johnson, right? I'm not, I don't think I'm doing this podcast. I don't think I'm back in Atlanta. I don't think I'm pouring into the young men I poured into for five years. I don't think I, um, have the approach um, professionally in, in many of the ways that I approach life personally, um, if I don't have a, a stop at the Red and Bow Lab from 2010 to 2011, and, and, and if you're not the guy who's in that lab mentoring me. So um, thanks for being part of my life and part of my story and part of my journey. And um, yeah, man, I appreciate you. Grab your why. This is uh, I'm not sure what, which episode this is. We're, we're figuring it out, but um, this is a good one. This is with a, uh, I would say a former mentor slash forever mentor, um, uh, advocate, um, scientist, family man, um, a good man, a good human being. Um, uh, I, I, so many different things I, I could say uh, uh, about this guest. Checks in the mail, man. The checks in the mail. Checks in the mail. <laughs> <laughs> this is Dr. Michael D.L. Johnson and I, David Leslie. Um, and I remembered that. I saw it on the invite, but I remembered that. And I was like, how do I remember this? Doesn't matter. Um, but this is Dr. Michael Johnson. Um, just, just an, an incredible, um, person. And I, I'm very fortunate to have even be able to get some time with you. You always make time. Not, not that that's you, you're just a busy man. So to be on your calendar and to be able to like chop it up and, and, and have an authentic conversation like this, I, I appreciate you and appreciate you making time. Happy to be here, man. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to kind of, um, start by um well actually i'll ask you this because i was listening back to to the first episode i recorded with my dad and um the first question i asked was which i'll ask you is who is michael johnson I'm going big Ooh. let's see um someone who's changed a lot for the better. <laughs> um, you know, I, there are so many labels that we give ourselves, and you kind of mentioned a lot of them as far as, you know, family man, scientists. Um, I see myself who, as someone who likes to connect people and connect ideas. Um, I see myself now as a triathlete because um, mm -hmm. I like actually do, you know, do those now. Um, you know, I see a father, a husband, a son, you know, like there's just so many different labels that we can give ourselves. And, um, you know, and it's, it's all of those things combined in whichever one I need to bring to the surface at that particular time. Mm -hmm. 
you know, I don't think that any one of us are a monolith in, in that kind of, you know, you know, thing. And it's, you know, you just, you go through this and you try and be all those things to different people and try and look more inward and try and be those things to yourself, uh, which is also that why I say, you know, changing for the better. You know, I think, I feel like I've been doing a lot more work on myself to make sure that I am happy and whole. Um, so maybe when you ask me who I am, that's probably what I should have said first. I, I'm happy. I'm whole. I'm, mm. I'm in a position where I feel just so much gratitude to be able to do the things that I get to do every day. Um, things that I worked hard for, but things that I get to experience and, you know, so yeah. Um, who am I? I am, uh, I am grateful. That's what I am. Amen. Fold my, fold my leg up here. That, <laughs> hey, that you happy whole W H O L E man. Yes. That word resonates with me deeply um yeah that that is a word that i i um hit on maybe a, a couple years ago on on my own journey of of healing and um self-discovery and and just work um inner work and like being a whole person was like part of that a whole healed healthy brian that's that was my goal is my goal always so I appreciate and that. It, and it takes maintenance to, you know, you don't, it's like cleaning a room, right? You, 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 all of a sudden something in the room gets dirty and you have to like, you have to have that maintenance to keep that room clean. Mm -hmm. You know, I, my, my daughter is just kind of like, I didn't mean for it to get dirty. It's just like, well, you, you put the pants on the floor, you didn't pick this up. And that's just how things end up because, you know, if you're not having that maintenance, then you can't really stay, uh, stay in that particular state. Because there's plenty of things in this world that's trying to knock you off that off that perch, and including sometimes yourself, right? Like sometimes you, yeah. you're knocking yourself off that perch. So that's a good word, man. Um, so I wanna, I wanna, I wanna take a step back um, to our uh, relationship with, which started as a mentor mentee relationship. Um, uh, but even before I get there, I want to kind of get like, a, what, how did you, where are you now physically? Where are you now? Right now, uh, physically, I am in Tucson, Arizona. Um, I am, I probably have too many lines after my name right now. I try and get to some of them. I'm an, I'm an associate professor in the Department of Immunobiology uh, at the University of Arizona. I am now the associate dean for basic science research and graduate studies for the College of Medicine here in Tucson. Um, the inaugural uh, endowed chair, uh, Keating Chair for uh, Interdisciplinary Research um, for the Bio5 Institute. Run a bunch of other programs like uh, NSERP. Uh, but yeah, as far as uh, where I am, you know, I'm situated uh, here in Tucson. Right. Beautiful Tucson. Beautiful Tucson. Hot, I'm assuming. Hot Tucson. It is hot. Um, 
But, you know, I, I deal with the heat being from Chicago and knowing what those winters are. Mm. And mm. I'll be, you know, just chilling outside, you know, maybe by a fire pit. And that's really it. You know, maybe hanging out, drinking a nice glass of wine in the middle of the winter when you can't you can't do that in Chicago. Right. I mean, you can, but it wouldn't be comfortable. <laughs> right. For sure. So I'll deal with the heat every time. So and I'm, I don't know if you peeped. I got two of Chicago's finest. That's uh, Obama <laughs> on, on MJ with the number 40. It's the 44. Oh, wow. it's, it's, it's layers to this. Man. So I had to throw that on. I was looking for like, what am I going to wear? And I figured I, I'd give a nod to Chicago. So let's start there, man. So you're from Chicago. Yes. When you, as, a, as a kid growing up, did you envision this? Or at what point were you in Chicago when you saw this, where you are now sitting as all those titles in your different roles in Tucson, Arizona, at the University of Arizona? Did you envision this when you were in Chicago? And if not, what what did you see for yourself? Uh, um, I wanted to be a veterinarian. And I wanted to also do music. That's who I was in Chicago. So if you ask anybody from my high school um, and ask them, like, all right, what do you think Michael does now? Most of them will be like, well, those who, like, don't know, you know, they go, like, oh, that the musician dude, the guy who, like, um, was in the, the the choir, the orchestra, the, the, the marching band, the concert band, mm-hmm. um, played in the jazz band, led a jazz combo. That dude, yeah, he's definitely doing music right now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, science actually happened. I, I don't know if, I don't know if you know that, do you know how I transitioned from, from music to science? I do. Uh, and and you, I, you know I want to get the story though. I, I need you to share. Oh yeah. We, we tell us, I'll tell the story. Yeah. Um, so, <laughs> so I was, you know, I was pre-vet at, at, at Duke, which is my alma mater. Um, and I, uh, wanted to be a veterinarian, but I also wanted to do music because if I was going to do like pre-med or pre-vet, I wanted to do something that um, filled my soul in a different way. And that was the arts. The arts are always going to be really close to my heart. Uh, so thing to go applying to vet school is you got to work at a vet hospital. So I worked at a vet hospital for a summer. And then after that summer, I realized I didn't want to be a veterinarian. Like that, that wasn't it. That was not it for me. And it was like, well, what about, you know, going to MD, you know, route? And I'm like, well, for some reason, it really soured me that all the people applying to medical school needed this letter of recommendation from this one person, uh, which sounds crazy when you think about it. But there was like just too many hoops to jump through. And it's it's not an unnatural amount of things to go through. It's just one of those things where, if those little minor things deterred me from being on that career path, then that was not a career path I was destined to be on. Mm. So, I mean, you could have said, you know, the application was blue and I didn't like it. And that's why I didn't do it. Like, just like, it wasn't for me. Right. Mm. It wasn't anybody's fault. It just wasn't for me. Mm. So there were a number of things in undergrad that actually, uh, altered my path. Uh, 
One was not doing well in organic chemistry. I ended up getting a D the first time I took it. Um, yeah, organic chemistry. That I was like overloading um in that uh in that semester, uh, which was, you know, not good. And I just overloaded the semester before, which um I had had like three different deaths in my family that semester. Mm -hmm. And I was just, it was just like not a smart thing to do. Like I should have taken a little bit more care and time uh, to move forward. So I ended up taking organic chemistry again and saying, this time I'm like serious. Mm -hmm. uh, and I actually asked for help. I got tutoring for it and mm. ended up setting the curve uh, for the class because like all of a sudden I was in the right mindset to be able to take this class. Mm -hmm. So that organic chemistry in my, you know, like, oh, you know, I, I can see the synthesis on all that stuff. And it got me thinking maybe this is something I could do uh, later, but it wasn't really jumping out in my mind. So now the, the fateful weekend um, that told me what it is that I'm going, that I was going to do for the rest of my career. I was, it was the, uh, Finals after um, my senior year, first semester. So this weekend, I had uh, done two things. I had accidentally confessed to my wife that I wasn't able to buy her the ring yet. Um, we've been married for 18 years now. Uh, yeah. Found out that she would have said yes, of course, then. But like, yeah, now we've been married for over 18 years. So uh, our, our, our marriage can vote. They can buy, you know, a pack of smokes hey, if we needed to. And also get a membership at Costco because apparently you have to be 18 years old to do that too. I know that. Um, <laughs> but I went to church with her family that Sunday. Um, and my wife and I are from like completely different worlds. Like I grew up Catholic. She grew up like non-denominational charismatic. Like we, like... <laughs> Our personalities on every look, like if you do a Myers-Briggs test, we are opposite in every category. Like when okay. they say opposites attract, we are truly, truly opposites. Um, but I uh, went to church with her family and all of a sudden during praise and worship, there was this word that said pharmacology. Hmm. And I had enough church in me to know that there weren't any religious songs with the word pharmacology in it. Uh, <laughs> like, so that was, you know, that was, uh, that was something, you know, I, I, you know, I flipped through the hymnal and all that. And like, my mom was a cantor in the church. Like I, I knew that wasn't one of the words, you know, it was like, you know, you know, you know, it, so yeah. So, so you, you wonder where that word comes from that pops into your head. Um, and I remember too, oddly, it wasn't a familiar, like it wasn't a voice that like I hear all the time, right? Like you, you, you hear yourself talk in your own brain, right? Mm -hmm. It wasn't mm -hmm. that voice. Um, and I tell people, look, you can call me crazy. You can call it serendipitous. You can call it karma. You can call it the universe trying to tell me something, but being in church and hearing that I, 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 I attribute it to divine intervention. Mm. And the sermon that day was about essentially a uh, woman was poor, said, okay, oil is going to pour out of this particular uh, spout. 
bring every empty vessel you possibly can. And once you start, once you stop bringing empty vessels to this spout, then the oil is going to stop. So the pastor that day talked about, well, how big is your thinking? How much do you trust, you know, this particular process? Do you grab everything? Do you grab every open vessel in the room? Do you grab every open vessel in the house? Do you start knocking on neighbors' doors to say, look, hey, I know, I know you don't know me, but you you gotta trust me on this. Like, give me like, give me that big pot that you cook gumbo in. I need, we we got we gotta catch this oil coming out. Mm-hmm. And so I embarked on this journey that basically started by me saying, as much as I pour myself into it that is what I will receive back. Mm. And it was, I don't know if you've ever seen Indiana Jones in the last crusade. I'm not spoiling the end because this movie is like super old, mm-hmm. um, but he has to go through the trials. He had to spell Jehovah. He has to like, you know, like kneel in the presence, like so that he doesn't get cut. And then he has to take a, a step off the lion's head and he can't like see the bridge. It's like kind of invisible. Mm-hmm. So it's this like thing where he's like just taking this leap of faith. And that was like, what it was for me. He like closes his eyes and, you know, he just takes a step and all of a sudden it looks like he's going to fall and drop, but there's a bridge. Mm. And it's like, it's been under him the whole time, but he couldn't see it. And that's what this was for me. Like I'm a, I'm a musician, man. Like he, he want me to like all of a sudden be a scientist. Yeah. It was crazy. So, you know, I, I go, I finished undergrad. I applied to a bunch of positions and nothing man just like nobody like i'm a musician like, i don't want to hire me as a scientist so i end up going um to the chair of pharmacology at unc and the chair of pharmacology at duke knowing how busy chairs are is kind of crazy that they both responded to me both said i'll meet with you and both gave me some advice uh good advice the unc chair said look you got your resume go to different hr departments drop it off let them know that you're serious about this and in doing so I got a phone call from this guy named Jeff Frelinger, who happened to be the chair of microbiology immunology. And he said, Hey, uh, come in. I want to talk to you. Uh, I was, I interviewed, um, he blatantly in his, you know, the way he is told me I wasn't the most qualified person for the job, but, uh, I thought I had a little bit of personality and could learn on the way because I dressed up in a suit on an interview and looked over at the lab manager and said, I guess I look, I'm a little bit overdressed. Like I look like a, you know, salesman or something. Right. Just trying to make conversation. But uh, that was the kind of start to, you know, to me like saying, okay, I'm going to be a scientist. I didn't really know how I was going to be a scientist. Uh, but at that point I was like, I'm, I'm going to be a scientist now. I'm going to do what it takes. I don't know if it's industry. I don't know if it's academia. I don't know if it's scientific writing, if it's policy, I don't know what it's going to look like, but I'm going to be a scientist. Mm. And, you know, I just kept pouring myself into it, kept, you know, just trying to follow on that path, just, you know, and it kept, you know, there's lots of twists and turns, I I promise you, but it ended up leading me to where I am right now. And, you know, kind of going back to who I am, like in the beginning of this, uh, I am very grateful. Mm. I hear that. Yeah. You, you, yo, man, there, there's some new um, pieces of information to me. I didn't know that you were pre-vet. I didn't know that that was what you want to do. I know, I know uh, uh, Michael Johnson, the, the um, musician, um, 
the, the because you didn't even say that you were you were the um why do I keep wanting to say band director you were the uh, drum major if I'm not mistaken yeah for Ed, for yeah, head, drum, head drum major sir head, head drum put some respect on it head drum major <laughs> put some respect on it. yeah look um yeah I was head drummer major my senior year and that was that was a lot of fun because we got to I mean, we we had a lot of free reign for calling the shots as far as what music that we, you know, we could play at that particular time. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if we wanted to, like, you know, time out after, you know, a dunk, um, you know, in a basketball stadium, I'm like, we're playing this. It's not written anywhere. I just call it out. We do it. Um, football games, you know, we called stuff out and, you know, conducting on the field. I mean, it was just, it was a lot of fun having that responsibility. Yeah. So so let me before we get deeper into the um into this journey as a scientist and where I eventually where we eventually meet what early on was there were there things early on in your in your life in your upbringing in school were there mentors what gave you because you sound like someone who like had the audacity, right? Like that's what it sounds like from from musician. Like, okay, clearly you are, um, you have the aptitude. You're at Duke. You're pre vet. You're in the band. You're by your senior year. You're head drum major of Duke's marching band. So clearly you have some level of the aptitude is there. Some drive but like what are are there any particular things that gave you that sense that like i can do this even to be at your wife's family's church and to feel or hear or sense this and just make a decision to move like what what are are there things that happened early on or people that that gave you that that um belief um I would say there's two things. One, um, Dr. Carmen Dunnigan, he was uh, my psychologist when I was a kid. You know, mental health is real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm glad that I met with him when I was younger, getting over some, you know, some some things as a kid. And, um, you know, it was a little bit more stigmatized then than it is now. Oh, yeah. Um, so I am glad that I did it because it, it helped to repair some of those negative parts and help me understand the world a little bit better um, in, in, in meeting with him. Um, the other thing I would say is, um, well, I guess three things. The, the other thing I would say is music gave me a lot of confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the first thing that taught me I can do hard things. Mm. Um, you know, when you practice something and you get, you finally play it and you, you know, like, and you looked at it before you're like, I'm never going to be able to play this. And you can like, you just nail it Mm -hmm. even in practice. Right. It gave me the, you know, the, the confidence to say, I can do this. Um, I did auditions against people who I thought were from the suburbs and had those, you know, better instruments and better training and, you know, blind audition behind a door. And I'm like, all you hear is the sound of the horn. Mm. And I can practice to make my horn sound like I want it to sound. 
Mm. Um, so that gave me a lot of confidence to, you know, in moving forward that, you know, that I could do hard things if I decided to do them, if I changed, you know, like, you know, made my mind up, I could do that. Um, the other thing is, you know, uh, grew up, it was just my mom and I growing up. Um, and, you know, she, you know, all the bat, all, all the baseball, all the karate tournaments, all the bowling things. Yes, I bowled in high school as well. Um, um, I was, yeah, uh, varsity athlete in bowling, man. I was a Chicago what? City champion. That yeah. I didn't know was even a thing, but <laughs> hidden talents, man, hidden talents. Wow. wow. Um, but you know, like the things that she sacrificed to get me uh, through and get me where I am today. You know, I think that that's what all of those things combined kind of gave me this, you know, confidence that I could do things that I put my mind to. Um, you know, I'd love to say that it, it's it's funny because my mom says when I was younger, I was introverted. Mm. I have no idea. Like what caused a change in me to be like as extroverted, like like thinking of myself as an introvert now is just like nonsensical. Yeah. Um, but it gave, you know, so it's like confidence with like, I can go up to anybody in any situation and talk to them no matter who they are. Um, yeah, I don't, I, if you have this great position, that's, that's great for you. I'm going to learn from you. I'm going to ask you, I'm not going to, you know, I'll, I'll give you the respect that you deserve, but I ain't about to bow down to anybody. I'm not about to like, not talk to you just because you're so important. No, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to shoot my shot. Mm. Mm. Um, so I, sh you know, shoot my shot with going to do science, shoot my shot to go into grad school, shoot my shot to getting a postdoc, shoot my shot to, you know, getting this position here, shoot my shot for going for associate dean or go shoot my shot for trying to make this program, um, shoot my shot for trying to get married with my, you know, with a, you know, person out of my league. Uh, you know, you, you do all these things and you, you just, you, you have to, give yourself small victories to be able to build up to them, of course, but mm. you also have to um, have dealt with disappointment in mm. your life so yeah. that when, you know, so when that you don't get it, you can still recover. I think that that's actually another, another thing that I fortunately had um, in high school. I never forget, man, I was, uh, I mean, I, I went to Whitney Young. So Whitney Young's, uh, it was the first magnet high school in Chicago. I mean, like these, these kids were smart, man. Hmm. Like to put in perspective on how my high school operate, like how good my high school was, I just barely made the top 100 out of my class. Out of 435 people, I barely made the top 100. Hmm. My GPA was still well over four. But I barely made the top 100, and just barely making the top 100, I went to Duke. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> that's yeah. What the, that lets you know, like how, like I mean, these these you know these people were, but because of that, I saw a level of intelligence in people that was just outstanding in high school. Right. Mm -hmm. You know, these people that were acing AP Chemistry and AP um, AP uh, uh, you know uh, Physics and all this stuff, just like like it was nothing. And I realized that, yeah, um, it's not a failure to not be as smart of the, as they are. And I don't necessarily need to be the smartest person in here, but I do need to be the best version of myself 
And I do need to figure out what I have in me to offer others. Mm. And that kind of also kind of goes into this, giving me the confidence to move forward in these places that I might not, you know, feel like I belong yet. It's like, well, keyword to that is yet. Like mm -hmm. I can, you know, I can figure this out. Um, I don't need to be the smartest because I can always ask somebody for help. Mm. And, you know, and that kind of goes right into like the lab that we met in, man. Um, yeah. I'm in a lab with all these biophysicists and I'm just kind of like, what is happening? Why yeah. do you all know so much math? This yeah. is crazy. Um, and, <laughs> yeah. but like they, I mean, they were extraordinarily just like welcoming and nice and just uh, supportive to all the questions that I have. And it carried me through. Yeah. No, that's, that's, um, yeah, man, you dropped a lot of gems. You, you, you dropped a <laughs> lot of gems here. Uh, I'm, I'm taking, I'm taking notes for, for myself. Um, and I think, um, I don't want to come, come back around to it as well. Um, that I you know, you, you talked about music and how that told you, you can do hard things and, um, and kind of getting those small victories. Cause I want, I want to touch on that. I was reflecting earlier on that year. Uh, of my post back. And one of the things, and actually, man, I, I think about this pretty often. Um, I, I'll just say it now, but I, I think about the way that you approached science and doing experiments, like you, you are, you thinking about it now, we're very much a like fail fast, fail forward person. Like you were going yes. <laughs> to do the experiment and figure out if your hypothesis were right or wrong within like a day or two. If you had the, <laughs> if the protein was there, it was like, hey, let's see a da, 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 da. And it was like, let's set it up. Let's test it. Okay. It's going to tell me something. And I remember, I remember you, I remember having a conversation with you and, um, because Monica was uh, like your your work, y'all were like work husband and wife, right? And uh, y'all came in yeah. at the same yeah. time, and and um and and Monica, another person like in the lab who was like very welcoming to me as well, and like willing to like guide me and teach me and and and, and those types of things. So shout out to Monica. Um, if, shout out to Monica. If somehow Monica, you pick this up, I hope you do. Um, <laughs> I I think what I remember you saying was there are different ways to approach this. You see my approach. I'm after it. I'm like, I'm going to do 20 experiments in a day. 20 is maybe a lot, but I'm going to, I'm going to get after these experiments and figure out, I'm going to learn something, right? All of them aren't going to work, right? I'm some of these, I'm going to fail. I'm good with that, but I'm going to learn something. I'm going to keep going for Monica has a different approach. Monica's approach is to like, she's going to sit there, she's going to be at her desk and she's going to figure out some stuff. She's going to be extremely calculated. And when she goes and does that experiment, she has a really good chance of that experiment going her direction, right? Or, or, or um, panning out in the way that she, she um, hypothesized um, or conceptualized. Uh, and so you, I remember you kind of breaking that down for me. It was like, 
I think you should take this approach though. I, I you know, you can go either way here. Mm -hmm. This is my approach. You kind of left it to me and you were great at that. Like, Hey, you pick your poison, but, but here they are. Right. And so, and I, I never forgot that, but I also never quite got to that point where I, and I, it was always there. It was always there. I'm like, yeah, you should, you should try that B. And I was like, ah, let me, let me take a little more time. Right. Let me just see. I don't want to, I don't want to waste the protein or, right. Or I, if I get it wrong now, I got to go back. I got to, you know, I got to do the, I got to go back through a whole protein prep and I don't want to. And, um, and now where I am in life, I, man, I see the value in it. Not that that's always the case in every situation, oh. but in in my life, like reflecting on my life and reflecting on my career, man, I should have had, I should have been taking the Michael Johnson method in everything <laughs> I did. Like, so I, 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 I just want to, I wanted, I, I, I can draw that line um, where I can do hard things and small victories and being willing to learn, being willing to be wrong that is a direct line to what you taught me through your action and you you literally gave that to me and taught that to me and it's something that i've kept and that was in 2010 it's 2023 <laughs> man and I, and that has stuck with me and every time i think about failing forward every time i think about try it do the experiment figure out what you can learn you're the person who comes to mind so um so it's cool being able to even go back and map how I think about things mm -hmm. back to how some of where that originated from. So I just want to make sure I, I, um, I acknowledge that, man. Appreciate it. I'm, 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 I'm humbled that, you know, things like that stay with people and, you know, I'm just, you know, it definitely is just one of those things where you can get paralysis by analysis. Um, and I'm not saying that you need to rush into everything and not think it through, but you have to be able to identify what the stakes are in the problem that you're trying to tackle and how you're trying to tackle it. Mm. I can make protein for cheap, right? I mean, like we were, you know, in, in, you know, making protein, it took time, yeah. but making protein was cheap. You know, growing bacteria was cheap, making, you know, those, you know, plates and media um, in the grand scheme of things, it was cheap. So if I if, you know, you know, I'm valuing my time to try and move forward. And I'm not saying that my time is inexpensive. I'm not saying that my time is cheap, but it was at least a calculated risk on my part to say with the cost of these reagents and what I could do here. I can try some stuff and, you know, I will, and I, I have to appreciate that I will, that there's going to be some cases that you learn more in failure than you do in success. Mm -hmm. And each one of those experiments was, if I fail, I can figure out why it failed, but mm -hmm. I can't figure that I can, I can figure out why it failed faster than I can look it up and look it up and make it go right in the first place, <laughs> which, you know, is a it's a it's a definitely a value proposition on like you know how much reagents are and how much you know failure could potentially potentially cost. So I mean I think that's something you know a cost benefit uh, thing that everybody has to do in those particular situations. But at least for me in that particular moment, 
dealing with protein, dealing with uh, some of the stuff I'm dealing with now in the laboratory. Look, just try it, see what happens. And, you know, we, you know, you do it enough and you figure out what the controls are in the moment so that you can plan those out and and, and do it. So um, that was my way of accelerated learning in that lab. Yeah. Hey, hey, look, clearly it it worked out. I mean, uh, I asked you (laughs) early on where you are. Something, something was going right there. Um, So, you know, so not taking a step back or forward, but so we, we meet right in 2010, right? I come out of Morales college, unprepared for a PhD, um, academically GR, as far as my GRE scores, um, didn't have, I don't think I had any, uh, research one, uh, any research experience at, at our one institution. And it just so happened that, um, I met Dr. Pat Phelps at Abercams in Phoenix, Arizona, right? Not 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 too far from you. In Phoenix, it's Arizona. It's in Phoenix this year too. And it's in Phoenix. Look, come on, man. Come on. The stars yeah. look. Right? <laughs> the, 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 I will the be there showing is, out. And I, I what's mean, funny I'm, is that I'm hoping I had no idea what Abercams was. Oh really? I'd never heard Abercams I didn't hear about Abercams till well into my postdoc. Like, Aber- like I, I didn't, yeah, I didn't even know what Abercams was. So that was my second year going to Abercams because I was part of a, a scholarship program, the Hop Scholars Program at Morehouse, and we went every year. Even, but I, I joined my junior year, so I went fall of my junior year and then fall of my senior year. That's where I met uh, Pat Phelps at a table, like UNC had a booth, and it was like BBSP, mm-hmm. and it was probably, well, no, it would have been like BBSP and Tibbs. Um, yeah. Um, and you talked about somebody who changes lives. Yeah. Pat Phillips, who absolutely fundamentally just changes lives, just left and right. Um, if changing lives, like was, you know, you know, like in that regard, she has a very high body count. (laughs) (laughs) That's a hell of a way to put it. (laughs) But I I accept that on, on, on Pat's behalf. I accept that on Pat's behalf. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, it's real. Look, Pat Phelps, I I met her and I met, um, man, I cannot remember, Shannon. What is Shannon's last name? Shannon is from my dad's hometown. She knew, she was friends with my cousin um, yeah. growing up, tiny town in Eastern North Carolina. Um, like we're probably actually probably cousins is that small of a town, right? <laughs> and they were there. And I remember talking to her. I'm like, you're from Plymouth. What? How do you even know this place? And mm-hmm. talking about, she's like, well, look, Pat, Pat says, well, look, why don't you send me, you know, like your, your, your resume, your transcript and all this. And, you know, we'll like, check it out, send it to her. And she's like, okay, so look, hear me out. <laughs> BBSP. <laughs> and, yeah. You're not quite ready for that yet, but we're about to start a post-bac program. And I think you'd be a perfect candidate for it. You could benefit from it. I'm like, bet. She actually flew me out and I met Gary Pilak. Uh, I met like two other professors while I was there. She, uh, I, I ended up staying with my cousins. They were in dental school at UNC at the time. So she didn't have to you know, pay for a hotel, but I ended up staying with them and like met some folks and I get into the post-bac program. And I end up in your lab. And I just remember 
her and probably Ashala Freeman. Ashala is is kind of my almost my pat in a way as well in terms of how she advocated for me and supported me um, during my time at UNC. And I remember them saying like, "Oh, you've got a great mentor, Michael Johnson. Oh, you're gonna like you're gonna be good." And so when I and and I don't remember exactly when we first met. Obviously, I recognize off the bat like, "Oh, it's a black dude. That's what's up." Like, and, you know, <laughs> just. Oh, cool. Like, this is, this is great. You know? And, um, but I think I also questioned like, is, are, is did y'all pair me with Michael because he's a black dude? Right. I'm like, hold on, what's, what's happening? But man, it became apparent so quickly that like, no, 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 this, is this is the guy, right? This is the person who I'm supposed to be mentored by, guided by, um, and, and um, yeah, man, that was that was a very um I mean that year was everything. That year set it it set the tone for for everything else, man. And and Matt Redenbow as as PI, um as like mm-hmm. a big big time PI who didn't have, you know, yeah, because he was like chair of chemistry time. at that particular time. Chair of chemistry, he probably had dual appointments at the time. I think he has like three different appointments in microimmuno, yeah. biochem, and chemistry, I believe. Yep. Um and so you know, and not too long before that, he was called like the smartest man in Raleigh by like NBC uh, or something, right? That was like a whole thing. Oh, we we gave him so much stuff on that, man. We gave did. him so much flack. Yeah. Oh, I just before before we uh move on, I, I yeah. do have to say one thing about Pat Fells. Well, there's a lot to say about Pat Fells, but I gotta say this one. Whereas music gave me the confidence that I could do hard things. Pat showed me how to do them. Mm. So that's powerful. This whole professional development thing that I love that has become really ingrained in my persona. Um, she gave me that love. She instilled that love, not just to show you like, not not just like this is like important, but just like fundamentally saying, you know, this is how you can do it. This is how you this is how to have a vision in that area. This mm-hmm. is how to create. This is how to innovate. This is how to push the envelope. This is it's just like you would. I mean, she just like spoke into your soul as far as like how this is how you can do it. She was like, you know, the muse that gave me that unlocked that particular door that made me so much more than just a scientist. Mm. Um, Cause I would, I mean, I would still be in scientist uh, in science and I would still be a scientist, Yeah, but she made me so much more than just a scientist. Like I, when I said, I like to connect people, she g- kind of gave that. Here's how you can connect people in science. Here's how, like she just had so many just templates in her on how to do things mm. and gave so many opportunities opportunities to people and how to do them um yeah just grateful man yeah grateful truly hey shout out to pat films again truly (laughs) um you know pat i hope you pick this up too Uh, (laughs) i want everybody to man I'm, i'm sending this to to anybody who i've ever crossed paths with um so um so yeah so you know from from my um lens man that time was really um I, you know being being like fresh out of undergrad 
and and um I, I look back and I'm like, you how young and dumb were you really? Like you you were you, I, I just think about all the opportunities missed. That's that's like all I can think about when I think about that time. Like, what were you thinking? What were you doing? It was like you were you're growing up, right? And um I feel I'm grateful that I landed in the lab I did um and and landed with the mentor I did. Um because I think I needed that. And, and, you know, the, the element of us being black men, I don't think that that was never really explicitly like we never said that. I don't think to each other explicitly, that wasn't like a conversation. Um, as much as it was like, almost like what's understood doesn't need to need to be explained. It was kind of that it was like, but, we're here to we're here to we're here to get this work done, man. And I saw you as a very like focused and dedicated person. And um, even when I when I wasn't, you know, I, <laughs> I felt like, hey, this person cares about me. This person wants to see me do well. And you used to joke, and I think about this fairly often. You said, "Look, your only job is to make me look good, right?" You yep. used, used to say, your job <laughs> is to make me look good. And like, as funny as it was, it was also like, there's a level of, of, of truth to that in a, in yeah. a sense, almost like there's an unspoken kind of, and, and not, a, not in a negative way at all, but in a way that's like, Hey, I believe in you. I'm here to support you. Um, I want to see you do well. And a little bit of that, like, hey, I know you well enough to know that I'm, I'm going to get on you, right? I'm going to get at you <laughs> if you if you cut up, right? A little bit of that almost like big bro, um, family member, big cousin almost type of like, hey, I, you know, I'm cool. We're cool. I like you. Um, and like, take care, you know take care of business. We about this business though. <laughs> we about this business. That exactly. And and I think that was um man that was a I I really appreciated that and I think at the time I I didn't even know how uh important that was and how significant um our relationship and your style of mentoring, your style of teaching um and and the um the authentic care I feel like that, that you showed me, um, without favoritism, without like, um, without babying and without treating me like I didn't know how to do things. Like you gave me space to also be me and figure things out because I felt like you were doing you and you were being you and figuring things out. Even if that looked different, right? We're not the same. Like you said, White folks are not a monolith. Black men are not a monolith, and we're very different people. Um, and I felt like you—you you gave not only—I um, I felt like you gave me permission to show up as my authentic self and to recognize that that was valuable um, in the spaces that I was in at UNC. So that's what I remember um, about that time, or that's how I reflect on that time. Um, even though I was like, just glad to be, have some freedom in an apartment, <laughs> and, you know, was doing research. It was cool, but I'm like, Hey, I'm, you know, 
I'm 22 and I'm, <laughs> you know, just being a kid. You know, I think it's also important to identify a few things here. One, um, if you ask people in my laboratory, what's rule number one, they'll all say in unison to make you look good. So I actually kept that one. That's okay. actually rule number That's one. In my lab. Um, but you have to also understand, uh, and I, I am so fortunate that it worked out um, because at that time I was learning how to be a mentor as well. Mm. Like, you, you know, and it's like, how do you become a good mentor? How do you become a good teacher? Like, wh what do you, what do you do? Like, you know, like people take classes. I mean, there's seminars, there's like, you know, workshops, all these things, you know, so that people become, can become a better leader, a better mentor. So one of the things that I was very fortunate to have was this opportunity to serve as a mentor. Mm. Um, and I got to be all of those things that I wanted when I was kind of just coming up. Like, so when I got to pay it for it, all those people that like poured into my career, right? Mm -hmm. First and foremost, and it's been a lot of people, you know, like none of us got here alone, you know, standing on the shoulders of giants in the field. Like none mm -hmm. of us got here uh, without, without help. And one, it's paying that forward. But two, it's like, okay, what do, what would I want to hear right now? What do I want to be like? What are all those things, all those missteps that somebody might've had in mentoring me that I, I wish they had said this. I wish they had given me this opportunity. Mm. How can I now be all those things that I wanted to be, that's that I wanted someone to be to me, be that now to someone else. And did I have the, courage the bandwidth to go through with that in authenticity because mm -hmm. sometimes you get in that position it's like oh i see why they were a jerk to me because like i wasn't you know doing what i was supposed to be doing or you know they didn't have the bandwidth or you know what have you but like can i be that person that i wanted to can i be that person to someone else that i've always wanted to be mm -hmm. and this gave me that opportunity, you know, like, you know, I, I mentioned, you know, like that professional development awakening that I had when, you know, and uh, talking to Pat Phelps. And this was that opportunity to take all those tools that I learned. And, and you know, there was a, a, a person before, uh, before you, Angie, uh, who was great as well, uh, also a postback. Um, and she's actually an associate professor right now, which is crazy. I remember you telling um, yeah, so Shout she, out to Angie. Yeah, she used I haven't to seen her like, in a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like, I got to, and what was great is when I wanted to advocate for you all, I got the opportunity to do that. Like, hey, I really want them to work on this project. I want them to do this thing. Um, and I had some conversations with Matt about that. And he's just like, yo, are, 
are you sure? Like, you know, maybe this, or, you know, like he would, you know, say, are you sure? You know, he would like question my decisions, right? Yeah. Not in a negative or bad way, but just to make sure that, you know, I was confident in them. And, you know, he was always trying to steer me the right way, you know, to, uh, and he, you know, I still, we still talk today. I send him messages. Hey, Matt, just letting you know this, this happened and we'll go back and forth and stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, had you know, I, I'll try and have like breakfast with him when I go back to uh, to 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 North Carolina. Actually, a lot, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just like I get I got that opportunity to advocate for you and be a mentor to you, which was just such an important training ground for when I move forward to you know different positions that I could then be that in a stronger regard, and I just sharpened that you know. Iron sharpened iron, and it just kept sharpening and sharpening and sharpening to, you know, to get to this position. And I'm still by no means perfect right now, but, you know, I I do acknowledge the fact that I've accumulated a, a lot of knowledge and, uh, and I'm, you know, very fortunate that I'm in this position. But yeah, it was just, um, yeah, it's just... Uh, you know, I was happy to have that opportunity mm-hmm. to to be a mentor because it just meant that I got to, um, you know, uh, just be, get better at it. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm not, and I'm not like I'm not trying to be like, say, like, oh, yeah, you were just a practice kid or something like that. <laughs> you know, that's that's not like what I'm trying to say. But, you know, I, I do think that as we you, the best way to become a leader is to have a leadership opportunity. Yeah. Is to be put in charge or something and just say, okay, now you got to kind of figure this out based on what you learn, what you know. Um, ask for help if you need to, but mm-hmm. people can't become leaders if they're never put in leadership roles. People mm-hmm. can't put it, be mentors if they're never put, if they never allow themselves to be in mentorship roles. And there are plenty of mentorship roles out there. Um, but like it's, so I was just, very, very fortunate and honored that I had that opportunity to be able to uh, mentor one of uh, Raleigh's roughest oh, members. Man. See, I didn't even know if you were going to go there. See, I got some notes. <laughs> I mean, since you, since you, and I'm going to come back and finish and, and put a bow on this last point. See, I didn't know you were going to go there. Raleigh's roughest. <laughs> so look, for whatever reason, I, I remember, I remember, I had it wasn't even so many nicknames <laughs> and I don't, I probably put myself in the line of fire a lot. I probably, Oh put yeah. Myself, oh yeah. You, you, okay. So I was doing it. I was definitely asked for it. It was, but like you were good sport about it, which made it like, which made it fun. Like, you know, it was, oh, yeah, yeah. you know, it's all, yeah. Oh, look, look, man. I look, I, so the, the whole Raleigh rough, they, Mike, somebody started calling me rough Raleigh. Because I'm from Raleigh, <laughs> and they got, started calling me Rough Raleigh. And then no, most recently, because like we were, it was, we were talking. I was like, I'm from Chicago, and you're like, what you man, what you know about this? Like, I'm from those streets in Rough Raleigh, and we were just like, oh, what, what? <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's how it started. That's I'm hilarious. Like, well, I'm from outside of Chicago, man. That's right. Like, <laughs> that's right. That that is a, that is absolutely what happened. And the whole thing with Rough Raleigh, people from Raleigh know, like. Depending on where in Raleigh you are, like I'm, I don't want to take anybody's, you know, I don't want to take anybody's gangster away from them. But um, the way I grew up in Raleigh, well, no rough Raleigh, right? That that was <laughs> not the experience, and it definitely wasn't South Side of Chicago, um, from any perspective, as far as like being in a, a major, major city 
in terms of how rough things can really get in terms of how cold it gets like it just wasn't that but um but i remember that Chicago but y'all the 80s and 90s was uh it was interesting yeah, that way. <laughs> yeah, you caught a yeah, you caught a you caught an interesting <laughs> era. Your your whole era, you 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 came up in a in a different kind of era. But um, but yo, man, I wanted to say this because you you made me think about um, a, you know, I'm thinking about at that time, like I'm not thinking that you're getting anything from mentoring me. Like, you know, like you got somebody who's halfway decent in science, you know, learning, willing to learn, cool. I've been told I have good lab hands. I'm still like, what does this really mean, right? When people say you have good lab hands, I get it, but also like, I just don't like that phrase anymore. Um, and and I'm not, but I'm not thinking like, oh yeah, this is, you're learning, you're gaining from this. And now I think about where I sit um, and, and what I did, um, you know, after, I guess I would say transitioning from the bench and and working at Smash Morehouse and working with a bunch of black boys, black young men, like that was as much for them as it was for me. Like I learned through that process. I gained um, uh, through that process. I learned about myself. I learned about the significance of like leading and teaching and um and and mentoring um i became a better person as a result of that experience and so it just made me and that's a big reason for why i'm doing this podcast well, grab your why it's an extension it's the next phase of that work um of of um, pouring into these young men and now seeing that impact um being very invested in that space and 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 in those young men and in black boys in particular and wanting to and this is my way this is my way of continuing that and i know that like i'm learning i'm growing just on this episode man just in this conversation with you like i get to learn and 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 you know i'm the host Right. And I guess that's what hosts do. They learn. But I feel like this is for me as much as it is for other folks who are going to to watch and listen in. And and I'm sure it's it's, um you know, powerful for you as well. So you just made me think about all the folks who benefit, um, especially in that mentor mentee relationship. There are so many people who get to learn and, and, and get a valuable experience. Um, so I got a couple more questions for you. And then I got a, I got a okay. final segment. Um, we, we haven't talked about this and maybe we talked about this. We reconnected maybe a month, a month or so ago. Um, I can't remember if we talked about imposter syndrome. Um, <laughs> because, you know, hearing you talk now, I'm like, Mike got the recipe, man. Like fail fast, <laughs> fail for like, Look, I'm gonna get out here and try some stuff. There's not a hand I won't shake. I'm walking into these rooms with confidence. Like, I I can learn from anybody. I'm not afraid to approach anyone. Like, you're a lifelong learner. You are approachable. Uh, you're you're fearless when it comes to approaching. You are a connector uh, of people and ideas. And so it's like, 
I'm wondering, like, does imposter syndrome ever pop up? And if it does, like, what does that look like? It definitely pops up. And I think it just, it, it, it evolves as you evolve. Mm. Um, and you go into these different spaces and um, you're like, wow, how did I get here? Am I supposed to be here? Like, I'm, for all intents and purposes, like, I, I'm, I'm 41. I have an associate dean title. I'm a tenured professor. Uh, and I walk into these spaces with people who have far more uh, credentials than I do. And for some reason, they listen to me, which mm. is great. I don't think I'm a total idiot. Okay. Um, but kind of like, you know, when I when you get into your in your head a little bit, too, I think, you know, it's important to understand where you came from and how you got there. Um, but it's it's dangerous to dwell on um, should you be there. Mm. And I think, you know, I think imposter syndrome manifests itself in a lot of different ways. It's like, what if I don't succeed here? What if I fail here? What if I'm not effective here? Mm. Um, there are different categories of imposter syndrome, in my opinion. And for me, you know, I think what was helpful to take one of those voices out of the out of the mix was the whole fail fasting. What happens if you're not afraid to fail? Mm. And you realize that the consequences of failing don't have to be the end of the conversation. They can be the beginning of the conversation. They can be used as teaching tools. Um, and so you start trying to break down the voice of what that imposter syndrome sounds like. And sometimes it just gets you in a way that you can't counter. But um, I, I do think that trying to identify what exactly the imposter syndrome actually is, is important. Like what, what in what way do you feel like an imposter here? Mm -hmm. do you feel like, is it just not belonging? Is it the fear of failure? Is it, you know, like really try and put a rationale to what it is that you're feeling. Because only then can you actually counter it. It's like when somebody comes and says, man, I need some help. So many people ask for help mm. every day. Okay, great. What kind of help do you need? Mm. Be specific, be intentional mm. in how you're dealing with that voice, how you're dealing with the questions that you ask. And I think in that intentionality, um, in dealing with imposter syndrome, I'm able to identify it and accept it for what it is, but also not let it cripple me. I appreciate that. More gems. Might even have a podcast title uh, or episode <laughs> title from, from just from that, um, from what you just shared. Um, I got one more question. And I've been trying to figure out how to how to word it, or really which question is the one I want to ask. Um, mm. 
I think I want to know. What is the significance? How does being a black man, there it is, maybe maybe this is it. How does being a black man in the city, the state you're in, at the university you're in, in your profession, in your role, in all the many hats you wear, how does that impact how you view and navigate? the world or worlds that you navigate. Yeah. That's a whole podcast in itself, man. Okay. That's that's, right. that's that's a deep question. Um you I'll try You're the to, guy to uh, handle it, man. Let's see. You know, going back to high school, I, I was at a very multicultural high school uh, in Whitney Young. And one of the things that kind of, you know, made me who I am and allowed me to survive in environments in where a lot of people didn't look like me was in fact music. Because if you could play your horn, if you could play those, you know, the piano, if you could play the drums, it didn't matter what you looked like. And music was ahead of the game and how people were welcomed into that particular field because it was entertainment. They just wanted to be entertained. So they were welcome because they were entertaining you. And you can call that whatever it is, but it had this, you know, everybody, you know, was part of that, you know, kind of, you know, pe people could appreciate that kind of vibe independent of what skin color was. Mm. So taking that to Duke where the ratio changed drastically you know, to black men, uh, then to UNC, then to St. Jude, then to here, um, was something that I tried to carry that music philosophy in me to say, look, as long, and I'm not, I'm not trying to be, you know, I, I am very well aware that there are a lot of cultural and systemic issues that prevent people from doing lots of things in this particular country. But what I am saying is that there was a work ethic that I had that gave me at least an advantage to move forward. It didn't make me move forward because sometimes it's literally just dumb luck that allowed me to have the opportunities that I have. And I had to be prepared for luck when, when luck struck. But I was, you know, I was uh, tried to do my best to practice and prepare to to you know, for when luck happened, I was I was there to accept uh, accept, it. and the ball could have bounced a lot of negative ways for me as well. Um, but in getting to this particular position, I don't forget that I'm a black man in this space, and sometimes that means that I can't get as angry. Um, but. I try to surround myself with people who I feel like my race doesn't matter to them. And I find who my allies are in this particular environment. And it helps me focus on helping the population instead of being a victim of the societal pressures. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, again, this isn't trying to victim blame anybody. 
uh, because again, there's so many things that go wrong in people's lives that are out of their control. But what I kind of, you know, took from that music point of view is just that I have this, I have this control over my own destiny here. And if I do this, then I, you know, and, you know, I, I, I'm struggling with that kind of persona right now because I do know how much I had help from other people. Mm. But I mean, there, there is some point where it is on you that you have to basically say, even if I'm going to get slapped in the face by this particular negative situations, and don't get me wrong, there were a bunch of things that happened to me that was based on my skin color that mm. were negative. Um, but I had to, find ways to write that ship and find ways to um, make who I was as a black man, a positive. Mm. Um, mm. So for instance, when I, you know, when I made the national summer undergraduate research project, which is this, you know, virtual summer undergraduate research program we made in the middle of COVID. Well, what are my assets? I'm a black guy. And I want to make sure that I can help some of these underrepresented minorities who are missing out on summer research because they can't go to something in person. How can I leverage who I am mm -hmm. to help them? Right. Mm -hmm. Well, I can pull, I can pull that card and say, oh, come if you if you say you're an ally, come be one. Yeah. And whether or not that voice would have mattered to people if it came from, you know, a white guy, a white woman, an Asian woman, a husband, it could, I mean, there's a lot of people that voice could have come from, but I do think that there is, you know, some sort of magic that occurred in that situation from when it came from me. And, or it could have been another black man or a black woman, um, you know, in that particular situation, given all the things that were happening in, in, in society. So I do think that I've been able to try and figure out how to positively leverage some of the things surrounding who I am and having the confidence that that is having the confidence in that persona that other people will accept that if I fail wherever I'm at. Mm -hmm. uh, my wife told me, she said, look, I mean, and it didn't come down to this, right? But she said, you know, if you don't get tenure, you're a well-respected, extroverted Black dude in science. Point to how many other people are like that. You're going to be fine. I was like, dang. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, but what she did in an instant, and, you know, that's why I said be intentional to figure out how imposter syndrome talks to you. Uh, what she did in an instant is address those insecurities and turn them into stripes. Yeah. She immediately said, look, what this is what people will value from you. And that is your, these are assets that you have. So, you know, I, you know, yes, we are, we are victims in a lot of things, unfortunately. So, um, but we also need to understand that there is, strength in who we are. There's power in what we be can become. And we need to sometimes just accept that. Because, you know, kind of going back to the first conversation we had about being whole, right? Mm -hmm. 
Sometimes being whole just means that you tell yourself, I feel whole. There you go. Sometimes being an asset means that you just tell yourself, I'm an asset. But and it's nobody else that can tell you that except for yourself. Um, other people can tell you that, and it's like, whoa, maybe you're right. And then you believe it, and that's you telling yourself, and that's when it becomes uh manifested. But there are so many situations that I had to look at myself as a black man in these particular situations and say, okay, how can I use this as a positive? How can I use this to help other people? How can I use this to benefit um, instead of just saying, you know, because it's really easy to get down on yourself. It's really easy Mm -hmm. when, you know, you turn on the news and you're like, oh, man, all that stuff lives rent free in your head. Yeah. Um, But really making the conscious decision that even when you're being beaten down to say that I'm going to still leverage the best parts of me to do the best that I possibly can. Um, that's that's what I had to do. That's that's what I am here. And I'm not saying that it's hard while I'm here. I mean, I think that the people here at this institution I'm at are really welcoming, mm-hmm. really, you know, um, you know, it's a Hispanic serving institution, Native American serving institution. So, you know, they really have a focus on helping, you know, minorities from different backgrounds, minorities in STEM and different backgrounds. So um, I am actually really fortunate to be here and fortunate that they see the strengths that I see in myself also as strengths. Um, but yeah, I think other people, you know, it's, it, uh, you know, it's it's kind of like you can't, somebody else can't run the race for you. You have to, you have to be the one that crosses that finish line. So everybody else can pour into you as much as they want and tell you and hype you up and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, you have to accept that being a black man is an asset and you have to accept that as part of yourself and be whole in that particular moment. Um, but yeah, so it's a, uh, it's a hard answer. That's a hard question to, to I, try and get through, but that's, that's kind of, that's that, where I'm at. That's why I'm asking them. Right. And not answering them. that, <laughs> uh, that is, um, I'm not even gonna, I'm not even gonna try to, I'm not even gonna explain it, man. That was <laughs> I, the, the one thing I, I, I want to, the one thing I do want to say is what you just ended with. That's the sermon right there, right? Like you say, you didn't come out of a charismatic church. I mean, you you put put some music behind that, right? Put some music behind that, and a, and a couple of dry heaves, you know, taking that deep breath. And dude, that that part, yo, like we are not liabilities. We are not. Um, we are not all the things that we've been told we are and how we've been portrayed. And um, like when you see yourself and your identity as a positive, and sometimes you gotta get that from yourself to be mm-hmm. like that. That's the word, man. Like you you gotta get that from yourself sometimes. Um, um, and and I, yeah, that, I, I, I love that, man. Um, I love that. So I, look, we got one more segment. And I'm gonna let you go because you, right. you got obligations, wife, 
children, every you know, the whole nine, man. So let me try. You probably what, preparing for another triathlon or something. That's crazy too. We didn't even get yeah. get deep into that. Oh yeah, we'll it's, talk it's, I'm I'm going to be competing in the first triathlon I ever did. So I'm 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 ready to smash my time. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a uh, next next. It's in four weeks. Four weeks. So oh, yeah, you're gonna body that, man. You're gonna body that for sure. Yeah. Um. So this is the final segment, man. Every every episode, even though I've forgotten on a couple episodes, I've had to go back <laughs> and do this part. The final segment segment is called "Not Gonna Hold You." I'm not gonna hold you. Um, and so it's a rapid fire, uh, question and answer. Um, you know, I got 21 questions. I want you to give me your first response as quickly as you can. Um, and it's hopefully to give the listeners a, a snapshot of kind of your inclinations, your interests, values, just different things. So 21 questions. I'm not going to hold you. Here we go. All right. Early bird or night owl? Early bird. What's your favorite way to unwind after a long day? Video games. Would you rather go on a road trip or a cruise? Cruise, even though I've never been on one. Same. Yeah. I'd rather fly, actually. <laughs> I ain't gonna look. First, 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 first answer that way. I love it. Let's mix it up. <laughs> Um, favorite childhood memory? Um, ooh. Playing with Wynton Marcellus. That's different. <laughs> That's different. A little more context. He gave a master class. Yeah. He gave a master class when I was in high school. And I was invited to participate. So he, uh, you know, was teaching people and I was up on stage with him uh, learning, uh, you know, doing jazz. And Ramsey Lewis, who was like this radio host, played piano. Wynton Marcellus was playing drums. Uh, his bass player from that night was playing bass. And I'm up there playing Now's the Time on trumpet as uh, nervous as I could get. Then after that, um, his his band played that night and I got to hang with him backstage and we played three on three basketball and uh Witten has like one heck of a jump shot. Like he was he he's the one that won the game. I made like one shot out of the 13 points we had. Yeah, uh -huh. Witten's J for the win. Uh -huh. That's a flex, man. That's a flex. I love it. <laughs> All right. Favorite TV show. Um I gotta go Parks and Rec right now. Parks and Rec, that was a good show. I've seen like maybe one episode. All right. Uh, what's something you've always wanted to do but haven't had the courage to try? Courage to try? Uh, skydiving. Okay. Okay. Would you rather have a pet dog or a pet cat? Definitely dog. What's your favorite type of music? Oh. I'm going to be really weird and get very specific here and say Christmas big band jazz. Like that genre is just like fantastic. Get That's a good big band playing jazz Christmas music. I'm all in. That's probably probably my least favorite. I have a whole thing <laughs> with like Christmas music. Yeah. 
But have you heard Big Band though play it? Probably. I see uh, stuff. I see you some stuff. Send me some stuff. <laughs> I, I love that for you though. I love that for you. Uh, <laughs> for you. Um, what's one thing you learned about yourself this year? That a good training plan can make you a lot fitter than going at it alone. Mm. What's something about you that people might be surprised to learn? Um, I would say probably the bowling, the bowling championship thing. Yeah, we never got back to it. <laughs> we'll talk. We got, we got things. Okay. Uh, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I'm guessing it's like not monetary, like buy Apple stock or something like that. But uh, <laughs> you might be the first to to go that route. But yeah, yeah, buy Bitcoin and sell it <laughs> during the pandemic. Um, um, I don't know. Um, I don't know. It's it's really hard for me to go back and say I want to change something because like it would affect the life that I have today. And I'm just really, I'm, I'm in a good place. And all of those built me up to get to this point. And so right. I, I don't know if I want to tell them anything. Okay, there it is. Keep going. Um, <laughs> what's something you've accomplished that you're really proud of? Um, I will actually say the triathlons. Like, I'm really proud of just being able to, because I, I, like, started all this stuff, like, only, like, four or five years ago. Like, it's not something I always did. I started that when I got to Tucson. Um, I injured my back when I was in my 20s. I don't know if you remember, like, I was yeah. having some serious back injuries. So I didn't know if I was going to be able to do stuff like this. So um, now that I'm able to, I'm very fortunate and grateful that I can, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm very appreciative of my body to be able to do those things. Take it. What's the most spontaneous thing you've ever done? Um, changed into someone else's swimsuit to jump in a barrier, the Great Barrier Reef, because everybody else is like somebody else's junk touched those swim trunks. I'm like, yeah, but I'm about to see these colors underneath this water. And that water was cold as hell, too. That water was, like, really cold. But, like, it was cloudy, so you really couldn't see the colors. And I wanted to see the colors, man. <laughs> when, else, when else was I going to be in Australia? Like, it was like You don't have to explain it to me. <laughs> oh. Uh, pretty close, my that's, that look, that's out there. That, that's, or, uh, that or literally go into science. That was that's the other right. That's thing. a great point. Yeah, yeah. Look, you gave us a, you gave us the spectrum, both ends of the spectrum. I love I'll give it. you some rain. I'll give you some rain. I, I love it. <laughs> um, favorite soul food dish. I know you're a foodie, or you used to be. Ooh, favorite soul food dish. Um, I gotta say it's a tie between a good catfish and a good macaroni and cheese. I got you. Respect. Uh, what's your favorite book? Um, 
Ender's Game by North Carolina author Orson Scott Card. Bungee jumping or skydiving? Would you rather go bungee jumping or skydiving? Um, based on my still, you know, fear of the skydiving, I got to go with bungee jumping. Fair enough. What's your favorite quote? Um, well, my favorite quote today, <laughs> um, fall in love with the sound of the footsteps of you walking away from things that don't serve you. Mm. Say it one more time, please. Fall in love with the sound of your footsteps walking away from things that don't serve you. I got that from Kirsten Ferguson, who's a tread instructor on Peloton. She said that while I was running and I was just like, oh, snap. Right. I had to, right. I had to like play the whole video again right. just so I could like rehear that quote. Hey, and it's just like, it just stuck with me, man. It stuck with me. That's a bar. Um, would you rather have a green thumb or be a master chef? Master chef. Yeah, I get that. You were always you you were always cooking and like sharing recipes or like y'all were a foodie oh, yeah. lab for sure. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, uh, what's one unpopular opinion? <laughs> He's trying to get me canceled. Um, I don't want to get you canceled. Uh, one unpopular opinion. Uh, Hard work doesn't always work. When people say just work harder, that's not always the way forward. I don't know if that's really unpopular, but it's as close well, as I can get. It's unpopular to somebody. Um, last two, would you rather travel back in time or to the future? How far are we talking? <laughs> Your call. Um, I would say the future. I, I want to see how I like I, I want to see how it turns out. Yeah. All right. Last one. What's the best advice you've ever received? I would uh I would definitely say it's it's you know a piece that I shared with you earlier with my wife saying, look, um she told me who I was and she told me I was gonna be fine no matter what I did. That's that's the basis of it. I mean, she said, you know, she said you're an extroverted black man in science who has a good track record. And with that, a lot of people you're employable people will you know respect you people will want you and um those words to my soul made me fall in love all over again with her because she just she she picked me up in a minute that like i really needed it so i would say that's that's definitely the best advice that i've gotten in my life yeah amen what better way to end? 
Like, <laughs> dope, dope, dope. thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you, man, for taking time to, to shoot the breeze with me and, and, um, share is vulnerably and authentically. And, um, I, I, um, thank you for, for taking this time and thank you for being part of my life, part of my journey. Um, I, I'm not here without Michael Johnson, right? I'm not, I don't think I'm doing this podcast. I don't think I'm back in Atlanta. I don't think I'm pouring into the young men I poured into for five years. I don't think I, um, have the approach, um, professionally in, in many of the ways that I approach life personally. Um, if I don't have a, a stop at the Red and Bow Lab from 2010 to 2011. And, and, and if you're not the guy who's in that lab mentoring me. So um, thanks for being part of my life and part of my story and part of my journey. And uh, yeah, man, I appreciate you. And um, I hope this, I hope this episode, you know, touches some folks, man. I think you, I think you, um, I think you shared some things that people need to hear. And um, I hope, I hope it's a blessing to folks, man. So thank you. And um, yeah, that's, that's it, man. That's all we got. This is grab your why. Appreciate you, brother. For sure. I appreciate it. For sure. We'll, we'll do it again. We'll do a part two, maybe, maybe next year, man, or at some point, <laughs> um, we'll do a part I'm two good. for sure. All right. This is grab your why. Um, until next time. Peace.